Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Uh, As I mentioned this past Sunday, I feel so directed by God to simply build off the message we preached on Sunday morning. Uh, Over the next two evenings, I want to teach, at least in part, a series that I've recently done uh, on Zoom during this pandemic, and uh, we simply call it Faith's Greatest Challenge. And so tonight, we're going to teach Faith's Greatest Challenge Part one, tomorrow night, if the Lord wills, we will then do uh, part two. I don't personally know in my lifetime, I can't remember a time that, uh, uh, that our world has been in such chaos. Uh, and in my 68 years of living, the pandemic was certainly, to me, an unprecedented event, and then uh, the chaos that uh, Pastor Tom just talked about and all of the, the injustices and the things that have taken place over the last uh, several days. And so, uh, I don't know about you, but it's a time that our faith has been greatly challenged. And uh, I just, uh, again, just feel led of the Lord, and I pray I can be sensitive uh, to what the Lord would have uh, for your life in Jesus' name. I, I know we just prayed, but I want to pray again. Uh, Father, into your hands we commend our spirit to be used as your oracle tonight to this great congregation. Lord, <clears throat> I have sought you earnestly. You know that I have sought you for direction. I've not just come uh, tonight and this week just with a sermon, with sermons. But Lord, I genuinely have sought you for direction that we might have a fresh word for these precious people. And you know who is out there, Lord. You know who's listening. You know who right now are going through the uh, greatest challenge and crisis of their life. And Lord, I'm just asking you to help me say the things that matter. Give us all ears to hear what the word might say to us. We give you honor, we give you praise, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Face greatest challenge. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 22, and I want to read verses 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon... Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, and I want you to notice this, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. He then said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And then reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, reading one verse, 
verse number six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's not a person listening to this live stream this evening that has not been challenged in their faith as a disciple of Christ. No doubt you, like myself, have had those questioning moments, asking God, why have you allowed certain things to happen in my life? God, if you really love us like you say you do, why don't you step in and do something? The truth is, he does love us, and he's never stopped working in the background in ways that sometimes we do not realize. Now, there are two primary reasons the why question is so dangerous to ask God when it comes to our relationship with him. First of all, it's often rooted in mistrust, and it challenges God's sovereignty in our life. Secondly, it provides a door of entry for the enemy to work and to attack our faith and our confidence in God. Let let me explain what I mean. Satan will do everything he can to discredit God's credibility in our lives. When we know or even suspect someone is not credible, someone is not telling the truth, we will not trust that person regardless of who tries to convince us that we should. Jesus said, Satan is a liar, and he's the father of all lies. However, it's important to understand he veils his lies in deception. Have you ever wondered why Deception is so dangerous. Let me tell you. There's always just enough truth in deception to make it believable. That's why we must always filter every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Satan will do everything he can to shame us because he knows we've all failed 
and made mistakes. Who among us haven't made mistakes that we regret and wish we could redo? Satan's motivation, however, has a far greater reach than just to make us feel bad. His real motivation is to provoke us to the point that we, as we said Sunday in our message Sunday morning, that we take matters into our own hands when it appears God isn't doing anything. I can only imagine how Peter must have felt when Jesus told him that he was going to be specifically targeted by Satan. To be told you're going to be a target is one thing. However, the great challenge is, God, if you already know this, then why don't you do something before it happens? That's the real challenge. Not trying to make this personal, but I remember in 1997, I had just had a God moment, a week of time in the presence of the Lord that literally changed our life, our ministry, our family's lives forever. Nothing has been the same since that time, but only to have a prophet of God walk up to me, look me in the eyes and say, Brother Ellis, I hate to tell you what I'm about to tell you, but I have to. The Lord has told me and revealed to me that because of what God is calling you to do, that you are going to be a very specific target of the enemy, and you're going to begin to have physical issues and health issues. I looked at him, how do you respond to that? I, I think I maybe felt the same way Peter's thought. Well, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever. You know, if I need to die, that's, that's okay. I mean, after all, I've been writing on every birthday card and every Christmas card and every email, the will of God at any cost. So, you know, it's, it's easy to make those proclamations. But I can tell you that it was only about a two-week period that prophecy began to become revealed and began to take place. And for the next 15-plus years, I dealt with it in very challenging ways that really probably only my wife really knows how challenging it really was. And then, man of God prayed for me, spoke healing over my life. And for the next three plus years, no issues. Until about nine months ago. Remember my wife saying, but Joe, God healed you, didn't he? And I said, well, baby, yes, but, you know, people die after they've been healed. So, uh, you know, we're not going to challenge God on this and we're not going to question. We're just going to simply do what we have to do, continue to trust him. And that's the emphasis that I want to say to us. Trusting God's sovereignty is without question faith's greatest challenge. To be told you're going to be a target, again, is one thing. But the greater challenge is 
when it begins to happen, now what? You know, the word sovereignty is interesting. It, it, it literally means supreme in authority and power. Job said it best when he said, going through the trial of his life, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, Job 13 and 15. Not only was Peter told that he was going to become a target of Satan, but also that Jesus, who he knew was the manifested Christ, and the one true God of the Bible walking in a body, that Jesus was going to allow it to happen. Peter's response was the spiritual answer. It's probably how we all would respond when we're told something like that, but before we feel the attack. I can tell you there have been times that I have said, I will never take that medication. I don't need that. I can handle that. Only to find myself taking that medication in Jesus' name. <laughs> and I'm not laughing about it, but it, it, it just, I, I can remember making those boastful claims. I remember the, the time in 1985, that way back before the flood, when, when I had to have surgery and, you know, being young and probably arrogant and, you know, had never really had any real medical issues to deal with. And I remember what it was when uh, I was told I was going to have to have this surgery where they cut you just about in two. But being the bold, brave, man, young man of faith that I was, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to waste this time. The projected time of being in the hospital was at least two weeks, and I'm not going to waste these two weeks. I'm a man of God, and I'm going to use this time to study and pray. And, and so that was before the days of iPads and, and uh, iPhones, and uh, I had my sweet wife lug in bags of books from my library that I wanted to study during those two weeks. Well, I'm here to tell you, uh, and I don't say this uh, very proud, but uh, I didn't crack the book, not one time. I didn't crack one single book. There's a lot of things we can say and make claims of when, you know, we may even have the news, but it hasn't become reality yet. But it's another thing altogether when you deal with reality. I can say in Peter's life, oh, how things shifted once the attack started. It's the follow-up statement Jesus said to Peter that I want you and I to understand before we close our Bible study tonight. And here's the reason why I say it. Because I believe personally it's an answer to someone tonight 
listening at this live stream who is right now going through the trial of your life and you absolutely don't know what to do. Maybe you were in the service Sunday. Maybe you heard me preach about looking through the eyes of promise. Maybe you left that service feeling charged that you're going to start looking at things differently only to feel the pain when you woke up Monday morning, only to feel the frustration, maybe the the anger, only the grief that you woke up with Monday morning. What your crisis may be, maybe pastor doesn't know anything about it. Maybe your spouse doesn't even know anything about it. Maybe the people you're closest to may not even know what that crisis may be. It may not have anything to do with COVID. It may not have anything to do with the events that have taken place over the last week. But it's a crisis nevertheless in your life. Let me tell you what Jesus said to Peter. I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And then he says this, when you have returned to me, what a powerful statement that is, strengthen your brethren. Jesus' first statement is so powerful because in my personal opinion, it is the answer to how to battle the attack of Satan, regardless of what kind of attack it may be. Give me just a few more minutes here as we work through this first lesson. The word faith is primarily a New Testament word even though its real foundation and example is found in the Old Testament. The word was first used in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 20. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 20. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very perverse generation. Children in whom... Is no faith. By definition, the word faith in this verse means established or trusting. However, it comes from a root word that means assurance or confidence. In other words, God was simply saying their lifestyle and how they lived is proof they do not trust me. All that God did for Israel as a nation should have been enough to prove his love for them, yet it was not. God said through the prophet Habakkuk, they were children that had no faith. Simply put, they would not trust 
his leadership in their life. Far too often, we attempt to make God's word and principles much more complicated than they really are or have really ever meant to be. You know what Jesus said to Peter are words that each of us desperately need to understand. Hear me, please. There are some things in life you're not going to avoid and you're not going to change. We will never be able to control what other people choose to say or do. What we do have control over, however, is what we do. And most importantly, our relationship with God. As adults, we choose how we're going to live our life and who we will allow to influence our decisions and life choices. You see, Jesus wanted Peter to understand, and hear me now, the same faith that led him to make the decision to forsake everything and follow Jesus would be the same faith that would enable him to withstand whatever attack Satan would wage against him, regardless of what it would be. Peter, know this. When you're strengthened, or when you come back to me, when you return to me, Strengthen your brethren. In other words, Peter, I've prayed for you, but I've prayed specifically that your faith will not fail. And know this, that when you are, when you return to me, in other words, you're going to have this hiccup. You're going to have this moment. I don't even think Peter probably even understood the depth of what Jesus was saying. I don't think he ever, 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 ever thought that he would, before the the rooster would crow, that he would deny, swear to an oath, that he did not know Jesus. I have said this before, I'll say it again. You could make a pretty strong case that Peter's sin was greater than Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus, sold him for some money, identified him maybe is probably the better way to put it for some money but Peter swore to an oath he did not know Jesus can you imagine the pain that gripped him the moment he heard that rooster crow I'm sure it grieved him every time He said the first time, I don't know him. The second time, I don't know the man. Third time, I don't know him. I'm sure every time he spoke that, it grieved him. But I can only imagine that third time when he heard that rooster crow, how that must have gripped his spirit. You ever been there? You know that feeling? Maybe you're feeling that 
right now as we're speaking. It may not be some physical crisis. It may not be this pandemic. It may just be something that you had committed to the Lord years ago. You remember that all that 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 service where you walked that whatever it was and you placed it on an altar only to at some point pick it back up. Maybe it's been maybe it was years. Maybe you don't even remember how and when it transitioned. But here you are again in this time of renewal, in this time of trying to be restored in your relationship with God, and and you are reminded by some issue, some situation, some crisis, or these recent events that have gripped you one more time and that's challenged your faith. Let me close this first part of a series by looking at Paul's writings to the Ephesian church. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start reading. Forgive me for reading several verses, but I just really feel I need to. Starting at verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now watch this. And having done all to stand. Have you done all to stand? Well, the next word Paul says is stand therefore. Anytime you see a therefore or a wherefore, you always go to the previous verse or the previous words to find out what the therefore is therefore. Paul said, look, You're wrestling some stuff right now. You're battling some stuff right now. Well, when you've done everything you know to do to stand, then stand. Stand, therefore, having having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Here's the verse I wanted to get to, verse 16. Above all, will you just right now, where you're at, whisper or say out loud, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, 
with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, Paul said, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And I will speak more about verse 17 through 19 tomorrow night. But I want to go back up to verse 16 again. And I want to say it one more time. Above all, taking the shield of faith. You know, there are some things where God gives us that needs to be priority. First of all, prayer. There are some things that need to be priority in our lives. But very specifically, Paul addressing this church that is dealing with their challenge against the attack of the enemy. Of all the armor that he teaches that we need to clothe ourselves with, he says, above all, whatever you do, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. You may or may not be aware of this, but in the first century when Paul was writing, the majority of shields that were made for the soldiers were not made of steel or iron like we most commonly think. Only the very high-ranking superior officers wore them. But for the common soldier, the majority of shields were made of wood, not metal. Paul knew exactly what he was saying, and he knew they would understand the analogy. It was a very strategic battle plan that the archers, there would be several lines of attack, but the very first line of attack would be the archers that would have flaming arrows or arrows that were lit on fire with oil and rags that would able, enable them to burn because the very strategic plan of the enemy was to shoot directly into the shield that those soldiers would hold. Because here was the plan. When the arrow would hit the shield, immediately that oil would spill out onto that wood. And now you not only have an arrow that's burning, but you have a shield that's on fire. You're standing there literally holding a burning piece of wood. What is the common reaction when that happens? You may try to hold out for a season, but as that shield becomes engulfed with flames, the common reaction is, let that shield go. Let it fall to the ground. Why? Because the next set of archers have their arrows pointed directly into the chest of those shoulders with no shield or into the chest of those soldiers with no shield to defend themselves. Get the picture? 
Paul is saying to them, whatever you do, don't drop your shield. Why? Because God will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Wow! Do you see that? Don't drop your shield. Why? Because God supernaturally will put out that flame. Can you imagine the terror that would go through a soldier when all of a sudden he realizes his shield is on fire? But God said to us, soldiers of the cross, to the church of the living God, whatever you do, don't drop your shield because my angels are there right now to put out whatever fiery dart has been aimed at you. So I say in closing tonight, don't drop your shield. Man of God, woman of God, precious handmaiden, precious saint of God, precious elderly saint, you who are going through the crisis of your life, whoever you may be, I'm appealing to you tonight in the fear of God. Don't stop trusting God regardless of what you're dealing with or maybe what you have to deal with or may have to deal with in the future. And know this, when you get through this, and you will get through it, if you don't drop your shield of faith, you will be positioned to help others that are struggling just like you've struggled. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you know every precious heart out there today. You know the crisis they're dealing with right now. You know the circumstance, the situation that is challenging their faith. But God, we have a promise from your word that if we will not drop our shield of faith, that you will supernaturally quench those fiery darts that the enemy has targeted at us. God, I say it again. As challenging as it may be, I choose to trust your sovereignty. I choose to trust your sovereignty. I say to this church that has went through some challenges over the last several years that you never dreamed of, continue to trust God's sovereignty. It is not by might. It is not by power. But it's by your spirit, saith the Lord. Will you do me a favor? Will you lay your Bible down? Will you lay your iPad down? Will you lift your hands wherever you're at in your living room, in your, in your family room, wherever you may be right now? Will you lift your hands? And can we just lift our heads heavenward? Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we honor you. Lord Jesus, we trust you. We choose to trust your sovereignty. We choose to trust your sovereignty. When our faith is challenged, 
in a way we've never been challenged before. I stand and I choose to trust your sovereignty. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.